turn to our public scripture reading, which is Psalm 41. Psalm 41, if you remember from last week, is a psalm that exalts in God for his mercy. Opening and closing the psalm with a benediction, David doesn't simply recall the fact that God's merciful, but specifies in what ways God visited his servant in great providential kindness. In verses 4 through 10, we now come to what we could say is the plea David makes. The plea David makes. And this plea is repeated in verse, verses 4 and 10. O Lord, be gracious to me. That's the plea, that's the petition. David is petitioning God to show him grace. But why? What specifically are David's circumstances in this season of his life? Well, the motivation behind David's prayer is the ugly reality of human infidelity. First, there is David's own infidelity as he confesses in verse 4, Heal me, for I have sinned against you. David's problems are not all external, but internal. First and foremost, David is facing first and foremost his own sins. And we don't specifically know what they are in this psalm. That's not the point. The point is David is confessing. The point is that part of David's trial here in Psalm 41 is owning up to his own sins, the, the choices he made that were in disobedience to the Lord. Second, there is the malice and insincerity of his enemies in verses 5 through 7. The malice and insincerity of his enemies. Five through seven. David says, my enemies say of me in malice. When will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, and here, here's the insincerity. When one comes to see me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. These people David has encountered, they cannot wait for him to die. They cannot wait. They are anticipating with bated breath his death. And if you remember, here in the context of Psalm 41, one of David's trials is physical illness. You remember this? Verse 3, the Lord sustains him on his sick bed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. So 
David is physically ill. So much so that he is he's confined to bed. So there were certain ones of his enemies that would actually visit him and would appear to be caring. Want you to know how he's doing. How can we pray for you? But what does David say of them? He says they utter what kind of words? Empty words. They utter empty words. So what's really going on in their hearts? If their words are empty, David says, well, they're gathering iniquity in their hearts. To do what? Well, all they want from David as they go to visit him in his sickbed, all they want is information they can spread abroad if David's condition is worsening. These are not people you would call your friends. They hate him. They hate him with utter malice. But, if that's not bad enough, the worst trial David faces is the betrayal of his close friend. Look at this, verse 9. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, showing you the intimacy of their fellowship, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Nothing can get lower than this. When someone you trusted, when someone you believed had your back, they join your enemies and become a far worse enemy than those who were never your friends. This is what is called betrayal. This is betrayal. And this is a kind of trial that if you've ever experienced this personally, you get past it, but you never forget it, and you never really get over it. Because it causes you to distrust people deeply. Because David makes a contrast here in the psalm. That word even, even my close friend, even my close friend. In other words, David expected his enemies to treat him the way they were treating him. Their malice, their hatred of David, no surprise, no surprise. But even my close friend, 
So what is this saying to us then about David's circumstances? You realize it's saying that even, even, even if his close friend has betrayed him, David has no one, humanly speaking, to turn to. He has no one, humanly speaking, he can trust in this moment. Because even his close friend has turned, has turned. So, what does David do? Where does he go? He goes to the only hope that he has. He goes to the only hope that he has, and frankly, the only hope that all of God's people have. David goes to the Lord. And so, we see that verses 4 through 10 are book-ended. They are book-ended by this petition. Lord, O oh Lord, be gracious to me. Show me grace. Show me grace. And yet this is a faith that's worth imitating. Because you see, I've said this to you before as, we have as we've been working our way systematically through the Psalms. Only the Lord, only the Lord can you trust without any reservation. Only the Lord can you trust unconditionally. Only the Lord. You cannot put your trust in man in that way. Not even in your spouse, for those of you who are married. Now you would think, but what? Not even my spouse? My husband? My wife? No. No, no, no. You can't trust them like you trust the Lord. Is your spouse omnipotent? Immutable? Is your spouse without sin? Those are all rhetorical questions, obviously. I already know the answer to them. You know the answer. You can only trust the Lord without any reservation. Only the Lord deserves absolute unfettered trust. Because the Lord doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord knows you better than anyone knows you, better than you know yourself. And the Lord will meet you where you are, no matter the season, no matter whatever those needs may be. He will meet you and visit you with 
a kindness, a mercy, a power, a provision that no human can possibly give you. None. What's the first commandment in the moral law? You shall have no other what? Gods before me. No other gods. Can you make can you make a God out of people? Can you make a God out of your marriage, your family, your friends? Can you? Sure you can. Sure you can. Only the Lord gets all our unfettered trust. Because the Lord will never, ever, ever. He will never let you down. He'll never let you down. He will always give you the best. He'll always work all things for your good. Always, always, always. So there's David in Psalm 41. David cannot trust David, so he's confessing his own sins. There are enemies in the, in the kingdom of Israel who are after him, but then David can't even trust those he calls his closest friends. So is David without hope? Is this it? Shall he throw in the towel, give up? It's over? No. No. Where does he go? He goes to the Lord. And brothers and sisters, that is the principal point of the plea he's making in verses 4 through 10 of Psalm 41. And that is the biggest application for us. Do not make people an idol. You don't give all your heart away to man. It's only the Lord that you love with all your heart, not man, not man. Have you ever even thought about that? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You treat others the way you want them to treat you. But you don't love anybody like you love God. You love no one like you love God. He gets all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And that's what we see in David's faith again and again and again and again. Which is why, what, what did the Lord say of David? That's even repeated in the New Testament. This is a man after my own heart. Well, I want to be more of that kind of man. I want to be more of that kind of person. That kind of believer. A faith worth imitating. Let's pray. Our holy, righteous Father, we humbly ask your forgiveness 
for our terrible idolatry. We pray your forgiveness, Father, by the blood and righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, because we are guilty of loving and trusting fellow humans exceedingly more, Lord, than we love and trust you. And for some of us here today, Lord, we have experienced the awful trial of your servant David when even those that we would call our closest friends have betrayed us have stabbed us in the back as it were have turned on us and against us and yet Lord what your word reveals to us and shows us and teaches us here in Psalm 41 is that It is not man, but it is you, our great Lord and God, who is our true rock. You are the one upon whom we give all that we are, that we trust with everything we have. It is you, Lord, we trust with all our heart. And we thank you, Father, for this very faith that we see in your servant David, a faith worth imitating. And we know that it is this very faith that you have given all your people by the saving work of your grace in Jesus Christ for us. But it is a faith that must grow. It is a faith that, that is always tempted and conflicted with so many temptations that would draw us away, Lord, from from trusting you with everything that we are and have. We pray, Lord, that you will enlarge our hearts today, even as you did, David's. That when he was in the worst kind of a trial with people that were encircling him those that were real enemies from the start and those that would betray him and become enemies who were first friends that Lord he turned to you he ran to you he cried out to you and we pray Father that by the working of your sanctifying grace in each one of us as your people in Christ, that that will indeed be where we go and where we go always, that we'll run to you. And like David, we pray, O oh Lord, show us grace. And this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.